Hello and welcome to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Linz, here with my co-host, Savi. Hello, Savi. Hello. So we were absent last week, but we're back with a very special guest today, Jordan DeVries, who is the lead UI UX designer on Jedi Survivor. So Jordan DeVries, we're so happy to have you. And we would like to start by asking you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your job as a UI UX lead entails? Yeah, so I was uh, I was in the tech industry for about a, a decade. Uh, I was doing you know websites and apps, and I had a once in a lifetime opportunity to jump over and help out on Star Wars. The majority of the work that me and my team do are anytime you see a icon or a a button or uh, any kind of symbol uh, and also things like the settings menu and the, the the start screen and configuring and equipping things things like that those tend to be in our purview under UI UX which is the user interface the icons buttons health bars meters and the UX being the thinking behind what it all looks like when you show something some something to somebody for the first time second time third time etc but ultimately we are in service of making an excellent experience an excellent game the the menu we, we kind of think of uh, the ui we kind of think of as like the the wine label if you will where you know it's part of the experience it, it helps get you oriented but ultimately we're here to help players experience the the game itself and i i had a wonderful time experiencing it. I played the game and it was so clean and beautiful and crisp and engaging. I I loved it. So congrats to you and the team on that. It was awesome. And so when did you know that you wanted to work in this field and what was your journey to where you are now like? Yeah, so I, from a very early age, always enjoyed making those posters. Like if you ever had a science fair or you had any kind of presentation, or I don't even know if it's like a shoebox and you had to like make a little diorama. Uh, I enjoyed that so much. I enjoyed the presentation and the communication of, of, of info. And even though I, I chose a safer route in, in university, when I actually went to school for mechanical engineering, I always enjoyed presenting the 3D models and like the labeling and the PowerPoint deck more so than the actual work. Um, and there are people out there that love engineering. I went to school with them and they had a great time. And so I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. Uh, so I started making websites back in the, the MySpace days <laughs> when you could customize. That was, that was a very, very big thing. And I you know, started doing stuff for local businesses and that kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then uh, a friend of a friend, had saw a posting online for an opportunity for someone that loves Star Wars and loves uh, UI and UX and the rest is history. That's awesome. A match made in heaven. <laughs> yes, 100%. I feel like that's how a lot of people who are in Star Wars or somehow like connected to Star Wars, whether it be acting or you know game design or anything like that, that's how they get into Star Wars, like on the topic of you know Jedi Survivor and Jedi Fallen Order because you know, you're Jordan. Uh, Cameron uh, had an interview like around Jedi Fallen Order where he was like, I think it's Star Wars. And then Adrian Hona was like, I think it's Star Wars. So it's it's cool that you don't really know, but you do know. So on the topic of your career and Star Wars, and now that you work within Star Wars franchise, what was your first introduction to the galaxy far, far away? 
I think I was six years old. It was Christmas. Um, I think there was like a Christmas Day showing of the the three the three original trilogy. It had to have been probably like on like a broadcast network. It was probably Fox at the time. And my dad was a huge Star Wars fan. He saw the original in in 1977 in theaters, and he waited until I was I was six to kind of sit me down. And I just remember being so mind blown by how, to me at the time, wonderfully, delightfully weird everything was. It was so outside the context that I had for anything leading up to that. And my brain was a buzz. Uh, I like to say that technically the first user interface that I remember doing was um, I was so obsessed with the trench run from A New Hope. And so what I did was uh, I got a oatmeal container and I tied like a rubber band around it to basically make like a little headset. And I got saran wrap and I put the saran wrap in front and in Sharpie, I drew little crosshairs on it so that I could pretend that I was like flying through and chasing my ships. And we had a, we had a little kitchen with a little kitchen Island. And so, you know, when you're three feet high or however tall I was, you know, that's pretty much like a Canyon. And I would just do laps, just running around flying the little spaceships in front of my, you know, very, 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 very dollar store heads up display. And, and yeah. And then uh, I had these kitchen magnets as well. Uh, so we, we had a, we had a our refrigerator, like one side of it was exposed. And so someone, some relative got me this like box of shapes. So just really primitive shapes, little circles and dots and everything. And you could slide them around on the uh, slide them around on the fridge. And so I would make little X-wings and little TIE fighters and, and little spaceships and and try to approximate a little Darth Vader with a lightsaber and a little, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker and a lightsaber and have battles and things like that. And so that's those are some of my earliest memories. Those are some of my fondest memories. And, you know, I as I got older, I definitely had the the sense of like, well, you know, that's that that's one day. Wouldn't that be nice? But it's time for me to get a real job and time to me, time for me to enter in the workforce. And so, you know, three or so years ago when I got the opportunity, I just I couldn't believe it. Uh, it's very much a literal fulfillment of a childhood dream. That's really cool. And it feels like nowadays Star Wars, well, we see it now, especially talking in this interview, that Star Wars can be a job. You can have a podcast and talk about it and people will listen and you can, you know, be in the workforce and work on a Star Wars game. So it's it's really, really nice to know that like a childhood interest could become a career one day. So where are the places you draw your inspirations from when working on a game like Jedi Survivor and where can they be seen? in the work that we saw during the game. So we are standing on the shoulders of giants. There was an original team that worked on the team for Fallen Order, uh, at least for the UI and the, the interface. And there was a little bit of overlap. They helped shepherd the way, uh, but there are three folks, Kevin, Ricky, and Ted. And they looked at a lot of the gorgeous celestial line work that we saw in some of the episodes of Rebels, as well as Clone Wars. They looked at obviously the kind of broader broader trilogy and the prequel trilogy as well. And they set up this incredibly beautiful star chart, copper, metallic, but ultimately really refined, really, really restrained design language for Fallen Order. And so that's what we inherited. And we had to figure out where to go next. We had a couple of truths early on. One was that when you look at a lot of the production design of Star Wars, there's a lot of just really strong, gorgeous, primitive shapes. So the Death Star is a circle, right? The X-Wing is an X. And even when you look at the 
the computers and the heads-up displays and the glass, you see a lot of really strong line work. And we we knew that we wanted to carry that forward. In the game industry in general, when we look at just overall games, you can see a lot of games really lean into super cool, like gnarly stone and uh, a lot of a lot of uh, strong visual UI design around like meters and containers and, and pickups where the icons and, and the symbols and the shapes, they almost they almost look 3D, right? Like they, they look like it's something you could pick up in real life. In contrast to that, because of the legacy of the graphic design that we were trying to you know honor and extend, we knew that we needed to be you know a lot more restrained and a lot more simplified. And that's deceptively deceptively hard. Well, the, it, because it's the fewer ingredients that you can use that you still need to make sure that things are exciting and th- things are consistent. So that's that's really where we started. We were obviously very influenced by the High Republic because that was a strong undercurrent. You know, finding the uh, finding the the Jedi chambers in our in our title and exploring through that. So we drew a lot of influence there in terms of finding gold tones and, and finding a little bit more metal and illustration there. And then along the way, we found some fun references for us, but also uh, references even from Fallen Order. For example, I think we I think we posted fairly recently on our uh, on the EA Twitter account that the revolving mirrors around Cal for the customization were directly inspired by the infinite mirror scene from The Last Jedi. So there were some really neat ideas, even from the sequel trilogy, visual ideas that we knew we wanted to um, integrate. But, you know, Star Wars is very vast. Star Wars is very rich, especially visually. There's so many different aspects of it. Even when you look at the the level of the technology from the prequel trilogy, then into the the you know the original trilogy, and then of course the sequels, and a lot of that obviously is just here's here's what we thought was futuristic at the time over you know a franchise that's, that's spanned many decades. So we were always trying to stay true to the era of time that our our games take place in, and because Cal specifically has this kind of hybrid hybrid legacy where. You know, he obviously was raised as a Jedi, but then he became a scrapper, right? A tinkerer. He had a lot of technology. We are always trying to visually balance those two things where we aren't, we don't consider ourselves the more technical side of Star Wars, where there's a lot of necessary like machinery and, and, you know, heads up displays and lasers and lines and things like that. That is part of our story. And that is part of what you'll see, especially when you go to things like our uh, holotactics table. But we are also very much trying to explore the more mystical, more arcane side of Star Wars. And that's where a lot of the star charts and sacred geometry and that influence comes from. So I'd say that's probably the, the strongest things that motivated us forward. Other small things, we're just looking at some of the excellent Star Wars titles that came before us, like um, Knights of the Old Republic. They had a lot of really cool, small details and iconography and that, that kind of established uh, that, that you know contributed to the overall canon um, when we were looking for small details, small bits and bobs there. And sometimes it was just looking at stills from like The Empire Strikes Back and looking at how they did these incredible kind of Morse code dot, dot, dash, dot, dash shapes and symbols in, in the overall sets and finding very subtle ways of, of weaving that into our design. The last thing too is something that we knew we didn't want to change coming over from Fallen Order was that they had identified this uh, wonderful font that was used in the 70s on the original Star Wars posters, movie posters. And so that's become our, you know, kind of our signature font that we still use to this day, which is, uh, it's a font that's called uh, Serif, Serif Gothic, actually. And it's just such a bold, 
pulpy, retro-futuristic sci-fi font. Um, it's so distinct and it's such a joy to work with. And so we were really lucky to have so much momentum from the past title and so many great ideas from the actual story. And that's where we landed with the work on Survivor. And that that is so well seen in it. I was going to, as you were speaking, I was like, man, you know, because I saw all that. You definitely drew from all those sources you mentioned and it wasn't like in your face, but it, it was this kind of subtle underline in my subconscious as I was playing. And you definitely, you know, were so true to um, Fallen Order and all these other um, inspirations that you mentioned, but also made it your own. Like it stands on its own so well while honoring everything else. And I'm sure that that's like exactly what you were going for. And I have to say that that's what I experienced. So kudos to all of you for that. It was amazing. I'm not a High Republic reader, but Lynn's is, so she might be able to make the connections. But you said earlier in your answer that, you know, because the game has a lot of High Republic aspects in the story, did you guys have to research or like read any of the books or like look at any concept art to like really oh, get abs- it in the game? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I, I, I think have to is the wrong word. Get to, I think is, is probably the right word. Yeah. Uh, how, how how amazing and how special is it to say, I'm going to take an afternoon and go through these awesome episodes of Rebels, an awesome episode of Clone Wars. Now, granted, we're taking screenshots and we're making annotations and we're doing timestamps and everything. But, you know, I'd be lying if, we, if I said that it wasn't just fun <laughs> to have to go back through. And uh, we, looking at the High Republic stuff too, when you we looked at a lot of the kind of promotional artwork and a lot of the, the gorgeous sketches and everything that they're, they're doing, um, because we haven't seen a whole lot of visual stuff, at least with respect to things that we'd use for menus and things like that. We've seen, you know, excellent covers and excellent individual characters. And so part of our job is to distill the silhouettes and the line work and the outfits and, and the styling of that and, and use that as a, a reference point uh, because our game does take place, you know, more towards the, more towards the original trilogy than the high Republic, obviously. Uh, so, you know, we wanted, we wanted notes and hints of there, but we, we were very much not making a high Republic game. Although how much fun that would have been if that had turned out the case, I wouldn't have complained, but ultimately it was, it was a source of inspiration that, that we were able to look at. I know phase three is dropping at the end of this year and a lot of people are saying we hope we see Centauri and, and Dagon in the, in the books and I know that they just released Stellan Gias's uh, lightsaber and I was making the connections of some like pieces that are in Survivor and it, it was maybe not Stellan's exact design of lightsaber but like the you know what I mean like the the look to it it had that exact same vibe so it was really oh, cool yes and that was a that was a deliberate intentional vibe we did an art blast earlier where we all of our different artists that worked on on this game posted all the different individual things that they worked on and in the lightsaber portion of that there was there was a, there you can go online and find and see the direct inspiration that they took from that silhouette and then how could we take that similar idea and, and, and make it our own? And um, that that cross guard piece and that stance is is one of the one of my favorite parts of Survivor. I say the same, I think. <laughs> Did you have like a favorite aspect of working on the game or was it kind of like all of this is so cool because it's Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I, I think that I think that wraps that 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 encapsulates it. Uh, this is so cool that it's Star Wars. I'm on the East Coast, and a lot of our team is all over the world, but our our headquarters are on the West Coast. And so my workday kind of shifted a little bit, where I was frequently in meetings until like 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. my time. And, you know, I'm talking to friends, they're like, oh, well, that must be tough working so late. And, you know, I'm still just doing an eight hour day, just, you know, shifted back a little bit. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, I just got out of a meeting of how cool should this lightsaber be or, or how cool should these BD1 skins be? Like, it's, it's, it's a, an impossible thing to complain about. I think the things that, the things that we found the most, the most fun to work on we had small opportunities to help contribute to the in-world uh, environmental design of the game itself. So some of the some of the posters and some of the billboards and some of the artwork, I think that was probably ranked up there as, as some of the most fun because that was, um, at least for us, it was such a change of pace where we could just make a thing that was more on the art. Stuff like the lightsaber customization workbench, that was, I'm very, very proud of. I think I'm probably the most proud of us collectively. And, and I say us, I mean like the 60 people, literally, that that helped bring a system like that to life. Uh, that I'm probably the most proud of. But that was a lot harder to work through and figure out as opposed to like design an album cover for one of our excellent fictional bands that'll go in the cantina. Mm. That was That was really fun. I think that's probably where I had the most fun. Out of an yeah. incredibly fun experience overall. I've taken a look at the all the art that was released. What what, what is it? What is it usually released on? Art, art station. station. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went through and looked at it all, and I got to see the album covers and the little icons that were used at uh, at the DJ station specifically. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I love this. I, that was one of my favorite parts of the game was going into the cantina and or and like turning on the music. And so yeah. That was awesome. I love it so much. A lot of folks love BD1, but uh, DDEC, I, I'm I'm a huge EDM fan. And when I heard that we were having DJ Droid, I was over the moon. And and holding that secret in for so long was like, no, you don't understand. We have a, a DJ robot and it bumps up and down and it has little, not headphones, but whatever the Droid equivalent of headphones would be. Uh, we were just, we were just over the moon. Uh, there was a, yeah, there that was, that was such a wonderful thing to be able to work on. I don't know if you've been to Disneyland, but if you have, they have DJ R3X, which I feel like would be right up your alley. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, DJ R3X is yeah. That's that that whole subgenre of Star Wars music related droids. Uh, that's my niche. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good. It's honestly so good. Mm. But you know, when I first finished the game, I immediately went back to Coruscant. And I have a thread. And I think that you might have seen it. It was when I went back and I literally looked at like, I tried to because there's so much and it's so amazing. But I I tried to translate all of the signs. And there was like so many little hidden things. And it felt so personal, I feel like. But my favorite was I there was this like one alleyway or whatever. And there was like a cute little design of a Greedo looking fellow. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was so fun to see like personal. Also on Kobo, there's an, there's an Arabesh where it's just A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And I was like, who did this? <laughs> so, so that's, that's, that's the, that's the joy, the chal- joy and challenge of, of that sort of thing where uh, we, we, we know that there are going to be players that will translate it and read it. And 
I am so grateful and humbled and I speak on behalf of the team that someone actually translated like that's the, that goes that we appreciate that more than you might realize. Uh, and so what we want to do is figure out where appropriate, where sensible, where we can to like add to the, the, the realism, right. The, the lived in quality of the world and, and not have everything be necessarily just an Easter egg or just a meme. Um, sometimes you need a great label and sometimes the, the letters of the alphabet are, are the, the straightest way to that path. Um, but <laughs> In many cases, yeah, the the team worked really hard on finding and thinking about, you know, what what purpose does this thing serve and and how could we actually make that work? Um, One of the things that we held for ourselves too, as a goal, as an aspirational goal, I'll say say this plainly, is that in a lot of, in in, in Star Wars and in a lot of science fiction, when we see these uh, fictional computer screens and things like that, there's a lot of really cool looking symbols and dots and and lines. And that's part of the vibe. That's part of the aesthetic, right? It's imagining that somehow in the future, these lines and these these dots moving around mean something to the to the characters. When it came to our UI, we actually tried to make a lot of that stuff actually correspond to things that were happening in the world, so that there was at least some kind of grounded rule set for why these would happen. So, uh, as many players discovered, when you change BD's visor, you we uh, my incredible team went out of their way and designed a different styled visor for each one of the different looks for BD. Uh, but not only that, when you zoom in and zoom out and when you look around, the way that certain elements on the screen change and move in dials, those are all actually responding to what you as a player are doing. Uh, how far you're zooming, how far left and right you're looking at, things like that. And so that was our, that was our you know, kind of shoot for the moon, swing for the fences attempt at saying, yes, we're going to have the, the classic trademark, cool little greeblies, the dots and everything on the screen. That's part of the aesthetic. That's part of the level of polish that Star Wars fans have come to expect. But wouldn't it be even cooler if we could find some kind of meaning? And that to me, if you're in Star Wars UI design or science fiction UI design writ large, I think that's the holy grail is to find the cool looking shapes and dots that actually mean something and do something. And I'm proud of the s- small glimpses that our team was able to actually deliver on that instead of just making something that looks cool. Yeah, and it made it so much more immersive. And the game felt so much more personal because you could make all these changes, like the player could make all these changes for themselves. And it made every playthrough different and more, like I said, personal and intimate to the player because they're like, oh, and this is how I want BD to see. Like, this is what I want to see when I look through. And this is what I want, you know, um, my lightsaber to look like. And, oh, these are the specific sounds it makes. And and I, I loved that. I love that aspect of Survivor is that, yes, this is Cal's story and the people around him, but this is also, in a sense, our story because we get to experience it in some way and have an impact on it. And a huge part of that was your, your guys's UI UX that made it, that gave it like the flavor, you know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. We, we obsessed over how can we strike that balance of getting people into the stuff that they care about the most gracefully and elegantly and quickly so that if you knew what you wanted to do, you knew you wanted to make adjustments to your lightsaber or your perks or how Cal looks. Maybe you finally discovered the mullet, the other Holy Grail and Survivor, or maybe you somehow picked up a pink poncho somewhere. Uh, we really wanted to find that right balance of making that happen in a simple and intuitive way, but still having it feel like Star Wars. And that's a... That's a 
really tricky thing to balance because if you go too far either way, you can create something that's very ornate and complex and cool, but maybe on the 10th time you're sitting there waiting for, <laughs> waiting for the animation or whatever to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, you can, if you don't have all that stuff, you can, it can feel a little flat. It's like, Oh, that's it. Like, it just kind of feels like a, I don't know, like, like, like someone just threw a newspaper at your doorstep, like, here's your poncho, <laughs> get out of here. And so, yeah, we spent a lot of time thinking about that and you, whenever you work on anything creative, and I'm sure the two of you are the same way as you've been working on this podcast, you never know quite how it's received and you, you'll never know what, you know, your, your audience, et cetera, will pick up on. And so it's been so gratifying and encouraging for the entire team to hear that so many of these things that we were like, is anyone going to even notice this little detail? Uh, the details got noticed and, and that's, that's just the best feeling in the world. What I loved about Survivor is that it had been a while since we had last seen Cal and played as him, but then jumping into Survivor, it felt like no time had passed. And it was like we were rejoining him on this journey and the little aspects that felt very nostalgic. If I'm not wrong, it, it it's the pink poncho where he does the little yes. emote. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it was like, yeah, the, the pink poncho. Like he, he got it back. But it it was it was really fun. And I was at uh Cameron's live stage interview at Star Wars Celebration and that was before the game even came out. And the the love and the excitement that we all felt, the crowd just felt insanely loving and beautiful and knowing that that stayed all the way until after the game the delivery was just amazing and perfect and everything that we had ever hoped for well thank you for being a part of that crowd so around Mm -hmm. that time we were we were getting you know we we were in the home stretch we were crossing t's and dotting i's and you know when you're that focused on one project we had we had heard we had heard the the rumblings and rumors of you know there's going to be an Ahsoka series and there's going to be all these other things, but when you're that focused and spending that much time on on your one thing, um, you don't really feel like you have a ton of time to get caught up on everything else. And so when we had heard that Stig and Cameron were going to do that interview, I got got a last minute plane ticket. I think I, I borrowed someone's pass and I went to sell London Celebration for one day. Uh, just there. And I was in that crowd too, uh, all, all the way stand, standing in the back. And I I, I thought I loved Star Wars and, and I, I still love Star Wars, but being in that crowd and just hearing the roar of that crowd and hearing everyone watch that trailer that we had seen internally dozens and dozens of times. And again, with a microscope of like, is this the right cut? Is this the right beat, et cetera, et cetera. And then just seeing the outpouring of, 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 of love and wonder and all the questions and all the debates about, you know, what does this mean? And what does that mean? That was, that was incredible. That, that re that, not that my love for Star Wars is distinguished, but that uh, I guess threw gasoline on the fire. And I was able to attend there with a couple of other folks from our respawn team. And we've been telling everyone that works on, on these games, go to a celebration if you can. Like make make a point to go because the fans were so incredible. They were so nice. They were so kind. They're so enthusiastic. And it was it was just amazing. It was meet, amazing meeting all, all different fans, slyly dodging questions because the game hadn't come out yet about, hey, what is this and what is that? And we're just like, I don't know. You'll, you'll, you'll just have to find out like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but thank you for being a part of that crowd. That was that was one of the highlights of my life was being in that crowd during that reveal trailer. It was just an amazing energy. So Linz and I met because of our mutual love for Fallen Order. And I've been to the Anaheim celebration and the London one. And I'm trying to get Linz to get to the Japan one. Oh my gosh. I thought that I loved Star Wars too. I, I really went for Andor 
I, I love Rogue One and I know Lindsay does too. So knowing that we got Andor as a show and like being able to see the trailer and see Diego Luna and stuff like that was crazy. But I remember the day before I like people were, it was so funny. It was like high school again, but people were like, there might be a surprise tomorrow with Jedi Survivor. And like people are thinking that Cameron might be here. So I got up so early and I had a speaker pass because I did a panel, but and I like parked right there at the front. <laughs> and I was like, I need to see Cameron Monaghan. <laughs> this guy has been, like, the games have been because why Lindsay and I became friends and why essentially why the podcast started. So it's, it's really cool. And I hope that you get to go to Japan and I hope that Lindsay does too. I hope that we all get to go. <laughs> I, I would love, Hopefully. I would love nothing more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. As uh, the Star Wars Celebration Japan is going to be phenomenal. It's it's, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm booking that out, booking that out on my calendar as we speak. <laughs> yeah, that that was that's that's kind of the that's kind of the other you know the the two sides of the coin here is that when you work on a game like this, you're 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 spoiled spoiled immediately in the sense of like you need to know what happens, you need to know the twists and turns. It's unavoidable because you're making the thing. And so to be able to see and witness all the different fan reactions is the closest that many of us can get to kind of experience it with like pseudo fresh eyes. And so that's that's just another added layer to, to the experience that that was really, really gratifying for team, especially for secrets that we we're holding on so long. Cause it was like, Jordan, why are you only going to celebration for one day and why this particular day is like uh that's all i could get that's uh, that's that's all and then afterwards you know you the 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 various cats uh or in this case cameron's uh, are are out of the bag um i will say also that while i adore the the oldest star wars film rogue one is at the top of my list is my personal favorite star wars uh film and uh, and of course obviously I, i i enjoyed andor so much um, I'm, I'm overdue for an Andor rewatch, I think. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with y'all that at least personally for me, for the, the various aspects of Star Wars that I love, uh, it's at the top of my list. Well, I think we messaged each other cause we were trying to play the game in sync, but the Sagarera name drop at the beginning of the game, I thought I was going to pass out. I don't know about you, Linz, but the yeah. like rogue one and saw Cal and Jin connection. I was like, I feel like they personally did this. <laughs> for us they don't even know yeah. who we are <laughs> but they like, did it for us, for us. <laughs> <laughs> all the rogue one fans well okay. i'm just a humble ui designer but sure <laughs> uh, on behalf of the narrative team <laughs> sure i'll just know <laughs> <laughs> we got a confirmation today Liz, and it's on recording <laughs> no, <I'm> sure <laughs> all right Linz, i'll let you ask the last question <laughs> Well, I feel like we kind of covered this last question, but I was going to ask what the most challenging aspect and most rewarding aspect about working on a game as big as Jedi Survivor is. And like I said, it seems like you've kind of answered it, but if you have any more to say on that topic, feel free. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think especially with, with this, with this game in particular, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars has this massive diverse audience, massive diverse fan base. And even even amongst how people play video games, right? There are certain folks that really love the fantasy of swinging around lightsabers. There are other, there are other players that really love the idea of just briefly feeling like they're living in a world, visiting the cantina, talking to folks as they arrive, and then of course as they as they leave. And there are people that love the wall running and the acrobatics and things like that. And so we we wanted to honor that, and we wanted to try to create something that had it's it's the the cliche of like something for everyone but 
we wanted to make sure that if you were a fan of Star Wars, there was something for you here. And we spent a lot of work and a lot of time figuring out how to, you know, gracefully involve all these different types of players into the story so that they could each write their own story, like you were saying earlier, but also have a distinct voice and, and have something to say about, about Cal and his relationships with his crew and things like that. And hopefully the, the twists and turns, you know, most, most people didn't see coming. Hopefully there was surprise. Hopefully there was delight along the way. So I think that's, that's probably truthfully the overall, like the, the biggest challenge, which is how do we make each individual player feel like there's something for them and that there's a, there's a route for them to enjoy this. And for our part on the UI and the UX side, that can range from something as simple as just, like you said, making sure that you you have you have an outfit that feels true to you or you have your favorite lightsaber color, maybe. Uh, our accessibility stuff too was also really, really important to us as well. Because for many folks, video games is the only chance that they can feel like an acrobat. I mean, I don't know many people that can wall run or like, you know, teleport through a Night Sister magic tube either. And so for many of us, it's such a rare opportunity to get to step into that fantasy world for a couple of hours at a time, feel like a hero, feel like you're doing good, challenge yourself, you know, feel like you're overcoming something. And that's doubly true, triply true for our disabled players. And so, you know, when I look back on, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy when someone resonates with the story and they have a great time and they make a really cool looking lightsaber, but we also had a chance to, you know, work with and help support some of our disabled players to help them feel like Jedi as well. And I think if you take everything else away, that's probably going to be the one thing that resonates with me the hardest uh, is to help those people feel like Jedi too. I can see some of those elements, even for me seeing... um when I like go into the menu and I would change things around to fit how I wanted to experience the game. And I would be looking through and I could see all those elements um, for people who need them. And I was like, wow, you guys thought of everything and responded to everything. And like the patches that came after and everything were really, um, uh, really helpful in that uh, area. And yeah, I love that. I love that this game can be so, it could be so challenging and it can be so hard, but at the same time, it could be whatever the person needs it to be, whatever the player needs it to be. And I think that's the mark of a very solid, good game. Thank you. And like I said, truly the the, the labor of, of a massive team that obsessed over how we can make sure that if you want to get really sweaty with this and you want to try and play this on a super hard difficulty, you can. Um, if that's how you find fun, that's great. Um, if you want something that's more relaxed, uh, that's equally valid as well. Um, there's no wrong way to have fun. Mm-hmm. Fallen Order having the spiders and then this game having the like arachnophobia thing where you can shut off the spider-like features i was like thank you somebody's terrified of spiders <laughs> we've we've said this we've said this in an interview before as well um and so we we had this we had this uh you know we had this vaguely scorpion-like creature which for most of our team several folks on our team have arachnophobia and so for most of the teams they were like oh well they were just looked at it and they were like yeah it's you know it's it's creepy but not phobia level creepy and we had a, a developer or two that had a more visceral reaction, which is like, no, even this is still, it's still, you know, causing some really 
unsettling feelings to the point where they didn't feel like they could continue to play in the game. And that's not what we want. That's not this type of game. Um, this is not a psychological horror title where, you know, we're trying to test your metal. And so I was really proud of the team. And like I said, we talked about this before, but I was really proud of the team where we listened to those voices and we worked on it and figured out and, and went back and forth to figure out a, a way to make sure that even if, even if you have that specific kind of visceral reaction to it, that we can tone that down. And so, yeah, I mean, but that's, that's part of the process is that the, the, the purpose of the game at the end of the day is to be as fun as it can to all of our players. And that was just another way for us to do that. So we usually ask all of our guests one specific question, and it's a fun question, as we like to say, and it is how we close off uh, our guest episode, but we usually all answer it. And Linz and I try to choose a different answer for each guest, but if you could shadow any Star Wars character for one day, who would it be and why? If I could shadow any Star Wars character for one day, who would it be and why? Hmm. You know, I bet I bet Scuva Stev gets up to some... I mean, we've heard. We've heard the <laughs> tales that Scuva's told us. And I want to believe Scuva and these tales. But I'm betting, I'm betting that's probably, that's, that's probably for a single day, some of the wildest things you're going to see. Uh, I think that's who I would chat. I don't even know how that would work because, you know, everything is scuba size. So I, I don't know if I bring my own boat, my own hovercraft and my own diving suit, but I'll be there with fins on and an oxygen tank. Hopefully I don't get eaten because, you know, he's nearly gotten eaten so many times. Uh, I think that's my answer is that I'd love to, I'd love to shadow scuba step for a day. That's a really good answer. And it's not what I was expecting at all, but he is probably one of my favorite. I, I'm going to say background characters, but one of like Cal's, the ones that you can talk to. We, we I, had a, we had a survey uh, on EA where it was, it was, uh, are you team Turgle or team scuba? And we, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Turgle is, Turgle is what, what a rapscallion, right? Like what a, what a scamp. Always getting up to, you know, harebrained schemes, which I appreciate, obviously. But Scuva has seen some stuff. <laughs> Scuva has been some places. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just love, I love the romance of the sea, I guess. And just this kind of like not nautical adventure sort of thing. So I, I think I'm team Scuva. Linz? Oh, gosh. So I'm going to go in the spirit of uh, the Jedi games and I'm going to say Grease because I would love to just hang out in Pylon Saloon and just listen to everything everyone is saying and kind of just see how his everyday goes. Like, how does he start his morning? Like, does he have calf first? Does he does he sit in that chair all day long or does he go around and like say hello to all the patrons like does he help restock stuff like could I help him restock things I want to just hang out with Breeze and Pilot Saloon and enjoy ebb and flow and yeah so I think I think Grease this time that's that's wonderful I wonder I wonder how Grease's cooking tastes is we from the br- we- brief glimpses that we've gotten we have some some fans, some characters are fans of Grease's cooking and other ones are less so. And so, yeah, I, I think just just to try and have a, a Grease meal alone would be worth shadowing. I think that I would also in the spirit of the Jedi games, but I would do Toa. 
Yeah. I I think she's so sweet and I love the way she has so much passion about what she's interested in and she spends time in like the forest or the jungle and I feel like she would really change my perspective on a lot of things in life. Specifically like looking up and stopping to enjoy what's in front of me. And I loved her relationship with Cal. I thought it was so cute. I love she was always the first person I would go and talk to. Her voice just soothed my soul. <laughs> we have we have so many explorers and adventurers uh, in our player base, and so yeah, Toa in many ways could be seen as a love letter to that that idea of like, yeah, look at all this wonder, look at all this incredible stuff. What does this all mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that would that would probably be a very very that help reframe your perspective on the universe for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was really good for Cal too. I I think that he was like really dead set on a lot of things but then to stop and talk to Toa whether it be in Pylons or out in the wilderness it was like a way for him to stop and yeah reset and hear what she had to say I feel like he got that with everyone but I think especially Toa (laughs) my own personal opinion and definitely Scuba (laughs) I get it I get it (laughs) well Jordan thank you so much for coming on to our pod it was such a wonderful interview and having you I feel like this was such a joy and we got to basically relive Survivor through you and I want to play it again after this interview it was so much fun and thank you so much to you and the team I respawn for all of your work on the game it was so loved and we're we are really so thankful well, thank you so much for having me on and letting and I want to say thank you to my team for letting me briefly speak on their behalf like I said this was the labor of love of literally hundreds and hundreds of folks of which I, I I got what to do one small teeny part, but it was, uh, it was a wonderful t- part to play and absolutely like re- replay survivor, discover maybe some new things. Um, try, try, try things in a different order, try on different outfits and things like that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's been, been enough time since I did my most recent playthrough that I, I'm probably overdue for another playthrough as well. And uh, if our, if our listeners wanted to follow you, where could they find you on social media? Yes, uh, y'all can find me on Twitter, what was formerly known as Twitter. Um, I'm at the Astral J, that's A-S-T-R-A-L-J. Um, and that is that is the best way to find me. All, all of my other details, details are there. Cool. And Linz, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at A Cosmic Love and on Instagram at Rebel Risen. And where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Andorisms, and we will see you next week for another episode of Stardust Records. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.